You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. And welcome back to the Oz Network. Here we are, recapping season one of Nip Tuck, uh, all the way back in 2003, I think. Uh, we're up to uh, episode eight here, Cara Fitzgerald. Um, and uh, my name's Nick, and um, I'm a troublemaker, and my shoes are cheap. And my name is Ben, and Nick, you're the only one I want handling my penis. <laughs> I was going to go for that one, but I thought mine have become more and more homoerotic as we've gone along, so I needed to have a little bit of a break here from that one. So, yeah, oh no, good good to be back and talking about uh, episode uh, a pretty good episode, I think, so I'm looking forward to getting into it. Um, just to give a little bit of context, so uh, the 16th of September 2003, this episode came out. Um, just for your, uh, if anybody's actually interested in that, it's, there you go, I'll fill you in on that information. So, looking forward to this one, Ben. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good episode. I mean, look, it's, it's rare for us to say that these aren't anything but good episodes in the, in the first season, but, um, you know, there's a, there's a bit to talk about. We, we get some, uh, interesting scenarios and, um, yeah, there's, I'm sure, plenty to, to delve around uh, plenty of these talking points uh, throughout the next yeah. uh, 45 minutes to an hour or so. Well, uh, just just one little aside for you here. Um, so since since we last recorded, I actually uh, went back and, and saw the family for the weekend, and um, I was sitting around with my uh, six-year-old nephew and trying to find something for him to watch, and he was just getting a little bit bored. So I was just flicking through what I had, and uh, lo and behold, we ended up watching uh, 2005's Fantastic Four, um, which, of course, has um, Julia McMahon as, the, as Doctor Doom, the, the villain in that movie. Right. And um, it was just really funny. So I've, gone, I've done my homework here because I've actually gone and watched them and something else now as well and um yeah so that was quite interesting and um i just got to just got to chuck in a plug from for my mum because she came up with what i thought was a pretty funny line because she was watching the movie just in the background while you know she was doing other stuff and uh, she walked in she's like so in this movie he's dr doom whereas in nip tuck he's dr do me so i thought that was pretty <laughs> gotta got give you credit for that one mum that was that was pretty good good call um, mum well done but it was, <laughs> Pretty, pretty funny how it's um, like he pretty much is just playing Dr. Troy, you know, like it's pretty much the same kind of arrogant character in that as well. And maybe just the volume turned up a little bit and obviously with a metal face, which he doesn't have in the tape. <laughs> it's, it's funny because, um, yeah, from outside of this, I, I've i seen that movie previously, but um, I did used to watch Charmed back in the day. And, of course, I think Julian McMahon coming into Nip Tuck was known as being um, Cole from Nip Tuck, uh, from, from Charmed, uh, sort of as, like, one of these evil people that one of the witches ends up being involved with, you know, because it's taboo, you shouldn't be with the evil people. Um, so, I think that's kind of all, I mean, look, I know he was in Home and Away, but, look, I think he was in Home and Away when I was about six years old. So, I mean, I never was watching Home and Away when I was six years old. Um, but yeah, I, I think kind of what they're the only things I've really seen him in was what you know, Fantastic Four and, and Charmed back in the day. So, um, I think maybe kind of this is one of these side things I think we need to do eventually. Maybe when we get through this, is kind of you know, we talk about Nip Tuck being sort of a, a, a curse amongst these actors, is we need to look at their back catalogue and you know, maybe do a recap on some you know, the fan on Fantastic Four, which I'm sure we're going to be doing anyway one day, but you know, Dylan Walsh side of things like do one on Congo or you know, something along those lines because it would be interesting to see them. I mean, I'm sure if we ever get to John Hensley, that's not going to take us long. He's been in like two other things besides Nip Tuck, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm ready to go back and watch Congo, but, you know, I'm, I might get there. Well, you know, it's Michael Crichton. It's, uh, <laughs> it's about... It's not, uh, well, well, spoiler alert, it's not the worst movie in the world. Like, it's it's actually, it's like one of those so get, so bad it's good type movies. Like, it's actually okay. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll get to our Congo retrospective <laughs> in about, uh, you know, 20, 2038. We're, <laughs> we're slowly making our way there. But we should probably stick to the, the task at hand, I suppose, which is uh, getting into this episode and... Um, we start off with uh, Matt and his his mate um, spliffing it up at the back of the school. There, um, what's what's his friend's name? I, I have written it down somewhere. I have too. Um, yep, we're very well professional when it comes to this. Uh, his name would Absolutely. be Henry. That's right. Thank you. I was. I thought you might just bail me out real quick, but um, obviously both of us, <laughs> neither of us had the, the critical information here. But um, this is the first time we see um, Matt doing drugs. Um, let's not take that discussion any further right now. But um, it's not something that's been part of a story at all before, and suddenly it kind of just jumps in here as, as you know, quite a big 
portion of this the, obviously this episode um and it obviously sets up what's going to happen going forwards well it's it's interesting kind of with our whole hashtag poor matt scenario and i think we've discussed about this previously like yes hashtag poor matt but a lot of the times it's hashtag poor matt puts himself in these situations a lot of the time and uh you know, getting stoned underneath the bleachers uh, at an American high school and then getting behind the wheel of a car, uh, you know, it's not exactly going to spell a recipe for something good's going to happen here. But, um, you know, again, Matt's 16, clearly, as he looks like a 16-year-old every day we see this episode or this season. Um, But, uh, you know, haven't we all gotten stoned with a Jewish kid underneath a grandstand on a football field, Nick? I mean, come on, it's passing into a passenger of rights growing up. Yes, we've we've all been there, and then we all, we all then go on and uh, run somebody over and do a hit and run. <laughs> yes, it's just happens all the time. that's Australian life for you. I don't know what it's like in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I mean, we these two obviously get high and then get behind the wheel and um, have some some questionable music choices along the way. I've got to say. Um, <laughs> And some of the some of this, like I mean, we we're going to gush about Ryan Murphy all the way through this, and we already have. But some of these some of these lines are terrible. Like you know, your ride is smooth, and then like you know, and just the way they're talking about the music is just like it's it's pretty bad, <laughs> and they don't deliver it particularly well either. So it's um, although this is a really you know, the, what happens next is a really critical scene, and, and you know, really moving and all that kind of stuff. This the setup's not great in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, and it's kind of it's interesting to think that um, every time there's something evil, something about to happen, or you know, there's teenagers up to no good. Why is it they're always listening to either heavy metal or rap? Like, can we not just have a, a scene of, like, teenagers doing bad listening to, like, jazz or, you know, yeah. maybe some, John you know... Mayer. Yeah, John Mayer. <laughs> I mean, that would make me want to do evil things, listening to fucking John Mayer. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you know... It's like one of those ones you... It's one of those ones you listen to backwards and it's giving you a message of, yeah. you know, of, of, of death. It's just... Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I guess, I guess if we're giving Matt the benefit of the doubt here is that... You know, he says, I think we hit a dog or something. What does he say? He, he says something he about... He hit a bird. I think he literally bird. says, I, we hit a bird, let's go. I mean, that is one big yeah. fucking bird. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, to be fair, it doesn't... I mean, obviously, it's a... Um, again, I've said it before, I'm not a car guy. and It doesn't look like she did a lot of damage to the car, you know, for somebody that's, you know, been hit at pretty high speed. You think there might be something happened there, you know, might have broken the windscreen, nothing. Like, n- no hit on the car, which obviously is important because they wouldn't have been able to get away with it if there were marks all over the car. So that's obviously from a narrative perspective, that's really important. But... um I don't know. Do we give do we give these two guys the benefit of the doubt that they actually didn't know that they had hit somebody as they drove away, or do you think that they they knew what what had happened and they just you know were, were cheesing it as uh, Bender from Futurama might say? <laughs> Look, I, I yeah, it's it's a difficult one because. Look, you would argue if they had been paying attention to the road and not high on drugs, then uh, this wouldn't have happened. But also at the same time, as you said, I mean, they legitimately think they haven't hit someone so i mean look i mean if you were driving along the road and you feel a bump and you've maybe taken your eye off the road for two seconds i'm sure the first thing you do when you pull over is going fuck i've hit a teenage girl gotta find the body like you generally you know can be like oh crap you know like if there's nothing as you said the the windshield's not smashed there's you know she hasn't got like half a lung on the car or something like that like you're not going to know anything different um yeah. But it's again, it's a case of, well, they kind of were stoned and they kind of were goofing around with the radio and not paying attention to the road. So um, it's one of those ones, yeah. The, the thing that I find the most interesting about this whole scene is the fact that, A, why is this girl on the road and these two kids behind, like, can they not walk near a foot? Like, I didn't look like there's a footpath, but surely you're not walking in the middle of the road like that. And also... Where did those two kids go that, like, knocked her books out of her hand? Like, they disappeared pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a pretty good point. They should be some, um, they should be able to be uh, witnesses to, and be able to give some pretty damning um, testimony here. But they, they, yeah, they just do disappear in a hurry. And, and can I just point out, thing. can I just also really quickly point out, the actress who gets, who we f- see for, like, what, all of 10 seconds, 
that is not the same actress that we get when, spoiler alert, we see her return in a future episode, face all healed. Like, okay, I can understand that maybe her face looks different after, you know, she gets the surgery. But she didn't get a facial transplant, all right? She looks completely different to this girl. So, it's kind of weird. It's not like this character gets brought back, like, two seasons later. Again, spoiler alert, she's literally brought back, what, three, four episodes after this? It's kind of weird how they didn't use the same actress or just get the actress they're going to use in the future and have her get hit by the car. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, so that that's definitely a, a continuity issue there. So, I think, I think we're probably, what we're probably saying here is that, I don't know, I, I'm not sure that we can give Matt the benefit of the doubt, but I think probably what they're saying is that they probably didn't realise quite how serious what they were doing was, mm. and you know the reality is if they got if they actually did stop and admit to what they were doing, then you know they'd be drug tested and and all that kind of stuff, and so it was not going to be good. So yeah. you know that kind of second decision was to was to get out of there, and um, so I guess one of the things that we're going to keep coming back to over and over in the series is you know the hashtag poor Matt. You know how much do we think? Matt's making mistakes and how much do we do we think he's you know or how much do we think it's his own fault really um and this is one that I think is probably a little bit more easy to say that you know he got himself into the situation um but you know to to be fair to him as the episode goes along he's trying to make up for his actions while trying not to get caught as well so you know I'm not sure we can give him total credit as we go along but um it will be interesting to see what you think as as we go through. But let's move on to the the breakfast scene really quickly. And the only reason I actually even want to bring up the breakfast scene is because I think we've got a hashtag Annie sighting. Yes. So I think we need to actually mark that moment that she is there. She Where's Annie? Exist. There she is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got too uh, excited. I've written literally on my notes in capital letters, Annie. Uh, yes. So, uh, so this is yeah. Mark this down as the fact that this is where Julia and uh, Sean are good parents because they remember they have another child. Um, yep. And we also get Matt uh, getting a bit intimate with Julia. Uh, <laughs> that was a bit awkward. That scene when he kisses yes. her. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, and I guess, I guess the the functional reason we've got the scene is to is to set up the whole thing about you know they're reading the paper that this girl's been hit. <laughs> and um, you know, again, it just feels a little bit clunky to me. They're kind of like, who would leave somebody it's- there? You know, like it's, you know, I think I think for you know all the brilliant scenes we get on the show, this is probably not one of them. Yeah, look, I have to say this whole scene is so cringeworthy because it's kind of like they're sitting at the table. You know, it's all like we get that whole like, oh, mum's making French toast instead of nuking an ego, and then we get <laughs> we get Sean just randomly. Oh, how horrible. Oh, what happened, honey? Another war broke out while we were sleeping. Like, this is yeah. this is grade seven drama script writing here right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ryan Murphy. You are amazing. But this is terrible. This is so bad. This is Shortland Street drama, I'm assuming. I've never seen Shortland Street except for the penis scene. But, like, this is this is just cringeworthy. I think it's still better than Shortland Street, to be fair. But, um, no, it's, it's, def- it's definitely not great. Um, yeah, and I think it's a scene that we can quickly kind of brush under the table as being, you know, a pretty functional scene. Except the fact, Annie, Annie let's, let's just be honest here, Nick. Annie is the star. She is the best actress in this scene. Like, this is this is starring Annie role. Why wasn't she nominated for a Golden Globe with this scene right now? She's just lucky that Mr. Frisky wasn't there, I guess, because he would have on them, upshone them all. So I'm just glad he's not there. So yeah, I mean, it serves its purpose, and and we move on pretty quickly. And and let's not let's not even think about this scene again. I don't think we need to. But um, we move on to um, is it Graco, who's um, who's you know could could take up a second career as a, um, a Jodie Foster impersonator, yes. I think. Um, she looks just like her, and obviously she wants to get a nose job. And and you know it's it's Christian and Grace who who are saying you know you shouldn't and blah blah blah. You know you've got the perfect nose, and then we get into the whole thing that you know she's been been raped by her father, and so her nose reminds her too much of her father, which is why she wants to change it. And um, you know she kind of gets turfed out as you know you need to go and see some other help. We're not going to physically um, change you when you've got you know a, a perfectly good no- nose. Um, and you know what? Are, what are yours? What's your take on this whole scene, really? Look, it's, I mean, it sets up the 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 overall theme of this episode, doesn't it? Like, obviously, with Christian's background, um, and you know, it's, it's an interesting sort of scene how it's done. Because look, I mean, in in some fairness, you can understand what Christian's saying about like, look, well, you know, just because you change your nose, like, then what's next? Um, and it's. It's an interesting point, but it's kind of, it's the way it's kind of thrust upon you, the way 
you know, it's very confronting how, what what's that line she says where she's like, oh, you know, you don't have any idea what it's like to have a dick forced upon you that you don't want for years or something like that. And you kind of get the look on Christian's face because we've kind of have a few things here and there subtly hinted about Christian's background. And as you kind of said back when we had that, uh, was it the very first episode when he had that flashback to his dad and you said like, hey, bookmark this scene. Well, I mean, this is the payoff really for that. Um, and it's, look, it's, it's kind of something that is, you know, it's it's confronting and you, you kind of, it's it's almost like what we were just talking about with Matt and that, wasn't it? It's kind of like, it's one of these ones where you're, you're kind of like, well, what side do we kind of look at this on? You know, you kind of can think from Christian's perspective and Grace's perspective, but then at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, this woman has been brutalized her entire life. You know, she's, she's living with some horrific, you know, mental and physical scars, no doubt, from, you know, her childhood. And, you know, to her, this is a psychological way of, of, of dealing with that. Um, and, I mean, look, you know, let's be honest. As you said, Jodie Foster impersonator, and it's not like the nose is, comp- you know, it's not like she's got a giant bump on it or something like that. And it's like that significant. It's just a standard looking nose. But, you know, uh, I'm sure when it comes to the, the psychological aspects of what she's having to deal with, you know, she assumes that that would fix it. I, I find it kind of interesting, though, from the perspective of Grace being the psychologist, that um, she kind of very, you know, blasé with it all. Like, this is this is where Grace needs to come into this in her element. That's what she's hired for. Like, that's a psychological aspect of, you know, this woman's personality about why she wants to change. Yet it's Christian who's really the one who's basically like, well, you know, what will you change next? Like, it's kind of weird how Christian was so easily willing to give Nanette Babcock, like, all that surgery, and Grace was the one who shut that down. Yet the other way around, Christian's just like, no, you shouldn't have this because you won't stop. So, I don't know. I found Grace was kind of useless in that scene. Not that she's not useless in the entire season, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just going back to an ongoing pattern with her, I guess. Um, I think, yeah, and I think this is probably just reminding us a little bit of the backstory because I guess that whole thing with Christian is, you know, we got that early scene in the first episode and, you know, this is episode eight and there probably hasn't been a lot of um, recalls to that. So I think this is more just, you know, we almost don't need this character in this episode other than that it's to to make Christian sympathetic, you know, like you kind of have to get behind what, why he's why he's so angry about what happens with this priest coming up here um, is that you need another character who is the victim, yeah. um, and so, so I think that that's why she's there. And um, I guess probably the the word I've used a lot in this this episode so far is functional. Like she's just she's there to serve a function, and and not much more than that. So I don't know that we need to get too much into the into the weeds here. I think we're probably you know, got our reason for, for why she's there and move on to the main event, which is really this this priest or, you know, Mr. Shane, as he's, as he's known in this next episode, in the next season. Yeah. Sorry, this next scene. Um, <laughs> but I, I, one of the things I want to bring up about this that really annoys me is, um, so he's you find at the end of the episode that he's father, Mike Shannon. So he's introduced here as Mr. Michael Shane. I mean, could he not have come up with a better pseudonym? You know, like, you know, <laughs> it seems pretty lazy on his part. If he's trying to hide this massive thing that's going to send him to prison, you think that he might come up with something a little bit better than, you know, a slight change in his name. And if this is a big news story about the fact that he's got this upcoming court case, it's on the news, you know, obviously these victims had kind of, you know, distinguished him from a birthmark on his genitals. It's, I mean, like... What's the Miami news cycle like? Do they only care about pedophile priests when they're not convicted? Like, I mean, I'm sure this is in the news in the lead up to this. And and at the same time, and this is, I guess, kind of like my question about this entire episode and this plot line. And I just think there's too many holes in this situation. It's just, if he's, you know, waiting to submit evidence or a physical when it comes to this, like, surely the the people involved in the legal system there would maybe assume that this is something he would go and do. You know, it's kind of like if he's got such a distinguishing mark that is so distinguishable by his victims, let's maybe keep an eye on him in case he goes and gets plastic surgery. Like, it's just, it seems, I don't know. Like, and why does it take them so long to get this? Why do they give him a date of, oh, we're going to exam you on this day. Meanwhile, in the three weeks it takes us to get that appointment in, don't go and get plastic surgery or anything because that's bad. Like, I don't know. There just seems to be more holes in this story than anything. But outside of that, I agree with you. He should have come up with a better name. I'm just being really nitpicky right now about this, and it's not even the question you asked me. But, yes, I agree with you, Nick. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it's... um, I actually think it's, it's... 
it's pretty cool. Like I think it's it's well done. Oh character. yeah, it's a good plot uh, twist. Think, don't don't get me wrong. It's, it's a good, good reveal, but yeah, yeah. But I think I think you are right that there's probably a few lazy elements to it that we, you know we probably haven't covered all the little aspects of it, which is a bit of a shame, really, because the payoff at the end, um, spoiler alert, I think is phenomenal. Like it's and and I and I think that you know. Yeah, I mean these two actors, um, you know, obviously Julian McMahon and this and this guy who's playing the priest. I think that the scene they have at the end of the episode is, you know, it is top draw for Niptak. It is so good, um, and it's just you know it's just slightly that it's just a shame that it's not as well earned as it potentially could have been. You know, like it's it's almost there. It's so close, and it's just missing a few you know key little bits that kind of really cemented in but i do like the whole thing that you know you've got this i think he does a good job of kind of playing off that he's doing it for his wife and blah 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 and you know like that awkward bit between him and and sean and christian's got to come you know i think i think that's all quite fun stuff yeah i I mean i I completely agree It's, it's like it's kind of what we said in some of these episodes how, you know, generally whenever you get a patient on Niptuck, there's a lot more to their storyline than always is first introduced. And I think if you're watching this for the very first time, you meet this guy, I think, you know, the fact that he ultimately turns into a pedophile priest is probably the last thing in the back of your mind that you're thinking will happen. Having said that, that is a bit of a pattern in Niptuck. A lot of the time it does spread on the outlandish on what happens with these patients. But again, as we've touched on a lot, you know, this is something that generally it's based on real life surgeries. And so... Look, I, I don't know if this is in this case is necessarily referring to perhaps this maybe has happened in the past, and look, it, it sadly might have, um, but yeah, like it, this whole like as you said, you're right, like it's so well, like he does so well playing it off about his wife and kind of you know the situation. And you kind of at this point you think, oh, this guy's just like a douchey guy, sort of like Christian, you know, just worrying about the chicks and all this sort of stuff. Um, but it's, yeah, it's the way it's handled. And like, look again, it's kind of going back to what you said. I know we're jumping ahead of ourselves, but the payoff we get at the end and, you know, that acting at the end with Julian McMahon in particular is just, it's, it's second to none. So yeah, I don't want to jump too ahead, but you know, you're absolutely right with that. Yeah. I think probably the other thing that annoys me a little bit about the scene is that, um, you know, you've got the ticking clock obviously of two week, two weeks, but you know, could they mention it a few more times? Like it's mentioned so many times, mm. like, this needs to be done two weeks. This needs to be done two weeks. This needs to be done two weeks. And it's just, it feels a little bit like, let's just bang you over the head with the fact that this has to be done in two weeks. There's a ticking clock here. And, and you know, obviously that whole thing is that, you know, because there's a, you know, he, he's got to kind of present evidence that, you know, it wasn't him and, you know, all that kind of stuff later on. And it just feels, <laughs> you know, trust this audience because I, I think they're smart enough. The people that are watching the show are smart enough <laughs> to go with you having to have it, you know, absolutely drummed into their head. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, th- I think we probably covered that pretty well, and we can we can move on to you know the, the follow up to um, what's happening with with Kara, who's the the headliner of, of this episode in terms of the title, um, and obviously Matt's now come on board and, and finding out that um, once he once he's seen <laughs> seen his father um, doing a was some kind of um, exam on um, on Megan, um, you know we we carry on kind of past that pretty quickly and, and into this this whole fact that he's really worried about her because the family's religious and this is the the second part of this thing I guess is that you know there's a whole religious aspect to it as well. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it is. You're right. It's kind of like the the religious side of this thing with everything was it. But um, I love it when they're kind of they're they're going through the yearbook and they find her and you know it's like what does the thing say about the fellowship christian club or whatever it is and then kind of we get the whole matin hospital scene and it's like i'm in the prayer club and you know it's like the naive mother who you know i mean obviously she becomes a thing i've written here hashtag poor matt when it comes to um i don't know if you know i'm jumping ahead here but like when they're in the hospital and they're praying and then it's kind of like, will you pray with me? And it's all like, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm so glad Matt's here. And also, please help find the monster who did this to her. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah. wow. You know, hashtag poor Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, it does feel a little bit like, and I mean, obviously I think um, John Hensley does a good job of kind of, you know, selling this. I think he, he does that really well. Um, you know, like cause some of these lines are, are probably a little bit lazy here. And I think Matt kind of sells the emotion really well. He doesn't kind of overdo it. Um, you know, you kind of get that real feeling of, 
you know, guilt at him and, and what's he going to do without kind of really, really kind of overdoing it. And, you know, I think that's a lot of credit to, to John Hensley as an actor here. And yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, he ultimately leads to kind of this frustrating storyline with, you know, this mother. And I, that's obviously the whole point behind it. It's kind of like, you know, she's obviously ultimately believing in her faith will, will heal, you know, her disgustingly disfigured daughter, you know, who's had this terrible thing happen to her. You know, she's about to go blind. And what is it? 10 out of the 14 bones in her face have been broken and, just you know it's it's kind of it's a strange sort of thing like look you know as a non-religious person i'm on the you stupid woman you need to help her daughter you know your daughter side of things but i can imagine from the other perspective if you're you know ultimately a religious person who believes in the power of prayer that you know it's it's a conflicting sort of thing but yeah the, the lines are kind of look as much as i'm you know, saying about this woman, she's not a very good actress, this this child's mother. Uh, <laughs> I'm just ripping this poor woman a new one, but, um, yeah. Well, I think it's probably just quite one note. That's the problem. Like, there's not a lot else going on here, you know, and and, and that's a bit of a problem. Um, that You know, it's going to be pretty hard to to kind of put much into this because it is me and, and you know she's obviously been given the the thing of you know make sell this that you know that this woman's actually a bad person even though her daughter's like there in bandages and that, i think that's quite a hard thing to kind of get across true, um true. yeah so you know yeah i, I kind of get what you're saying like there's not a lot here to really look at um but having said that i think you know like I'm not quite sure what else she's going to be able to do with it, really. Um, so, yeah, I think I think this is one of those scenes that you kind of have to have, unfortunately. You can't really get around it. You've got to have it. Um, but anyway, let's let's roll on because I think there's more fun stuff going on here, which is, you know, we go into this consult with Megan and, you know, obviously Grace is sniffing out pretty quickly that, you know, what's changed here and it doesn't take her long to really figure out that, you know, there's obviously something going on between her and Sean and this is, I think, a really quite a fun and interesting scene and, you know, obviously I think we probably skipped over um, the fact that Megan's decided that she now wants the implants for Sean and, you know, we kind of get the whole reasoning behind it and, you know, this really quite kind of fascinating interplay where megan's trying to is is telling sean but telling him indirectly through grace while he's in the room and i I think it's an interesting way to play out the scene and you know maybe not the way you would expect this scene to play out Mm. and let's be honest at this point we definitely see that grace and uh megan are the same person uh they look so similar (laughs) um yeah but like it's it's done it's Look, let's be honest, they're not hiding anything. I mean, you know, Grace is a psychologist and, like, it's it's clear as day. doesn't need a psychologist to understand what's going on between those two. But um, but that's, I think, the point of it. Like, it's done so well. It's done in almost, like, this sweet kind of, you know, and it's just done so well. And, like, you know, the line when she's like, oh, I'm in love with him and, you know, like, oh, I want to make love to him with the lights on and... You know, it's just, it's a sweet sort of scene. And, like, I just ultimately love what it leads up to. You know, it's, it's a great collection of scenes here, actually. Kind of what it ultimately leads to, like, you know, the big fight with Grace involved. But, um, yeah, like, it's just the scene in that the room. It's kind of, you know, it's, I mean, I think Grace has every right to kind of question. It's like, well, hang on a minute. You didn't want them. Then you wanted them. Then you didn't want them. Now you want them again. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, if this was anybody like, but Megan, I even think Sean is going to be like, oh, no, I don't think we should be doing this. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, I, I think this whole scene, well, you know, this collection of scenes is really good because, like, we, then we go straight into, you know, Grace talking to Christian about it. And, you know, Christian's pretty, um, you know, he, he doesn't quite believe this. He's skeptical of it. And, you know, I think that the, these number of scenes that kind of lead from one to the other and, um, you know, that eventually kind of culminate in Sean finding out that, you know, Grace and Christian are sleeping together is, is, like, the whole thing's just really fun. And, look, do you, this is kind of one of those sort of weird moments where it's like, we know Christian saw Sean kissing her. So it's not like he doesn't know that there was something going on. So when Christian's all like, I believe you to Sean that you're not having an affair, do you genuinely think he believes him or do you think Christian actually assumes that he's still having an affair with her? Um, I think he probably assumes that there's still something going on. Um, whether or not he cares or thinks that it's his business is another story. You know, like, you know, I guess he probably sees it as almost a good thing because, you know, maybe he sees something that, you know, could happen between him and Julia if that does happen. So, you know, I, I, to me, I don't think that Sean particularly cares. And I'm th- oh, sorry, Christian particularly cares. And I think probably the bigger thing for him is that he doesn't like Grace. So if he sees this as an opportunity to get rid of her, 
um, that, that he's going to take that opportunity and you know he's just going to say that he believes Sean in order to make that happen. One of my favourite bits of this whole scene, like I love their fight, you know, and I love, you know, obviously Sean's reaction that, you know, they found out they slipped together and clearly, you know, he's just jealous, you know, this whole thing. And Grace, you know, gets sent home. <laughs> my favourite line is when Christian's just like, she's a troublemaker and her shoes are cheap. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. There's no reasoning behind Christian having to have that slight little dig at her. That's why he's so awesome, because he's just like, you know, he's just a troublemaker and a shoes are cheap. Well, I think the way he delivers lines is always, like, really, you know, he, he's got a good delivery, and I think probably one of the things, like, one of the things I really like in this is when, you know, um, he Christian finds out that, you know, Sean had made a pass on her and she'd said no. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of, like, yeah. you know, he, he kind of, like, slides forward and, what does he say? Like, you know, fascinatingly breaking news here at the People's Court. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. like, it's just the way it delivers it. It's just, like, so funny. Yeah, he's just so just blasé about it. It's just, he's just so casual about it. He's just, he, he's just cool. Like, I mean, Christian's just cool. And, like, you know, it's just the way he does it. And it's just, oh, he's sometimes just a bit childish the way he does it, you know, and his shoes are cheap. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just, oh, I love it. I love Christian. Yeah, I mean he's yeah he's he's just really good, and I think you know this is a scene where he delivers it really well, and you know um, I think just you know like right at the end of the scene, obviously when you know Sean tells Grace to go home just for the day, and she kind of looks at Christian, and Christian just gives her the smirk, and it's like yeah, he's his real intention here is basically to to get her grace like that seems to be his his biggest worry in this whole thing yeah for sure and it's kind of like you know it's just like <laughs> nah, 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 piss off you're going home you got into trouble <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah yeah so i guess we're uh we move on and um you know matt obviously is is talking to sean about potentially doing pro bono on cara and um you know it's pretty handy when you run somebody over that your dad's a plastic surgeon oh, absolutely and can, uh, come and your problems for you yeah, sadly for me, yeah. all the times I ran over girls growing up, my dad's not a plastic surgeon, so I wasn't quite so lucky. <laughs> and I guess we should probably say as well, like just a, a nurse Linda side in here as she comes <laughs> in to tell Sean that, that Matt's here. It's always good when she gets the, the odd, um, you know, the the scene transition line, That's, you know, it's always her. It's ridiculous that nurse Linda's getting more screen time than fucking Annie. Like, screw you, nurse Linda, bring back Annie. <laughs> And it's not even close. That's the other thing, too. Exactly. Like, I mean, what, Nurse yeah. Linda's in, like, what, 100? How many is she? The 96 episodes. There it is. And uh, Annie is in 36 episodes. Like, that is not, that is bullshit. Ryan Murphy, I love you, but that's two strikes against your name, at least at this point. Your terrible writing at the beginning of this episode. And <laughs> underused Annie. Hashtag underused Annie. <laughs> yeah, it's never good. Um, and, you know, like, it's a, it's a pretty heartfelt scene here, though, we met, you know, is saying that you know he doesn't have the skills to help her, but but Sean can, and you know I think um, you know it, it, it's pretty well played actually by both of them. It's quite a short little scene, but I think it is played really well. And um, you know we kind of move on from that to you know Christian being at home and <laughs> again like just driving driving a truck through the plot holes here. But well, not so much the plot holes, but it doesn't make a lot of sense that suddenly Christian's at home just flicks on his news channel and here's you know this patient that he's that he's done surgery on who turns out to be a priest which he didn't know about and this all just seems like incredibly convenient that this whole thing works out in such a way that it does um <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know what your thoughts are on it it's i mean it's just a classic tv trope isn't it of the uh the character happens to turn on the tv at the exact moment the story's being told you know or something along those lines so yeah, it's a, it's a convenient thing. I mean, we kind of go back to the, the Miami news cycle. It's like, well, okay, maybe this was in the news and perhaps Christian and Sean just don't like watching the news. They read it in the newspaper in the morning, you know. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Um, but, like, yeah, we kind of just get this random passing shot and it's... Um, you really get that real, like, sleazy, gross part about the Mr. Shane all of a sudden. Okay, clearly he's been revealed as a pedophile because we all know he's clearly guilty. Um, but, you know, I mean, look, props to the actor who plays him. Like, I mean, you hate his guts and he plays it off pretty well. So I guess slight positive from the guy playing the child molester. Uh. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, we're not inclined to, to make him seem like a nice guy or, or anything like that. And I think he plays it really well as kind of like this kind of 
just gross guy really um i think he does a good job of, of kind of portraying that and obviously this sets off a whole lot of stuff for for christian in a lot of different ways um you know i mean i don't know at, at what point we really appreciate that christian's from a you know obviously the name's a bit of a, a, a tip off but you know that he's from a catholic background and you know i'm not sure that we re- i mean do you really get that feeling from this episode or is it stuff that happens later in the in the series that you kind of get that uh yeah i don't really get it from this episode to an extent i mean you know we get it a bit when he's praying um but i mean i, I kind of think it's more of a um you know a lot of these shows it's kind of assumed that they're religious but it's not in your face um and you know it's it's kind of more, a bit of a taste around him praying and everything along those lines but yeah i, I think it's more there's you know particularly later an episode of i think it's this season isn't it um the the really religious episode um or is that next season I can't even remember. Anyway, you know the one I'm probably talking about, but like that's more of a, I think, a religious point than we get from from Christian moving forward, but not a huge amount on this uh, episode. Yeah, and I mean, it's just, it's just kind of, it's interesting to me because obviously, like you know, two triggers for for Christian, obviously the whole thing with the you know, the child abuse, and then obviously the 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 Catholicism on top of it is really going to make him, you know, his ears prick up. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely two things here, which are really going to get to Christian and make him act in, in ways that aren't, you know, well, not illogical, but he's going to act in, in really kind of emotional ways. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting to me to kind of see those two things crashing together and it may almost be a little bit of a, you know, we're tipping you off to what's, what's going to come further down the series as well. And so it kind of like leads us into this. I mean, Obviously, we've got this this scene with with Megan getting her surgery, and and you know that's a really you know it's a good scene. But I think probably unless you've got anything to add to that, I might kind of just talk through that one because I think the one that comes up after it, which is this kind of you know this this scene that cuts between these two pairs, you know, obviously Sean and Christian, and then Matt and Henry, you know, the the what are we going to do? And they've obviously both got an issue that they're trying to deal with. Is you know there's so much information dropped in these scenes, and it's done in a really really good way that you kind of come out of it feeling like you know exactly what's going on. Um, it's very economical, you know, incredibly well done. You know, a whole lot to add in this. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of just going, Sean, obviously, he's taking his time, isn't he? Like, you know, he wants it to be perfect. And, I mean, the only thing I kind of think is a bit strange is the fact that you've got Nurse Linda saying, like, you know, this is, you know, taken, uh, you know, three hours. It should have only taken two. And, you know, he's all like, I need to do it, you know, properly. As soon as Christian walks in, he leaves. So, it's kind of like, fuck you, Nurse Linda. I don't need to listen to you. Where's Liz this episode? Like, where the hell is Liz? Now, I'm just looking here. So, Roma Mafia is in 96 of the 100 episodes in Nip Tuck history clearly this is one of the ones she's not in because she's off with like she's off with annie like with the spanish um you know maid <laughs> she's not in this yeah, episode okay. so I'm- yeah 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 no she's she's um conspicuously absent during this episode and um yeah i mean and you know you get this great scene and it finishes with both them you know both them going we're going to be okay and um obviously there's there's a lot going on here that you know both these groups are potentially in trouble with the law and yeah, I mean, I don't know what the ethics are around. I mean, that's the whole thing as well. Is like, are, are Sean and Christian really in trouble here? Like, or you know, should are you supposed to do a police check? Or you know, like, would this have been picked up? Is it something that wouldn't have been picked up? Like, it, is this something that if somebody comes and asks for a birthmark to be removed, is there a process that goes through? So, you know, I mean, I'm a little bit hazy on whether or not they actually would be in trouble because um, you've got the whole you know doctor-patient confidentiality issues as well. Um, and then you know, so it's it's really hard to know. So, I mean, I'm I, I don't ever feel like those two guys are in trouble during the scene. I, you know, I think that it's more about Sean's got to control Christian so he doesn't do something crazy. Um, so I think my attention during the scene is more on the kind of Matt Henry stuff. Well, I, one of the things I, I first wrote down is when uh, when Christian's watching the TV, I was like, well, just go to the you know tell the police. But then I I think it's kind of explained well that um, you know I think legal precedents you're allowed to break doctor patient confidentiality but i think they point out perfectly like the church with their deep pockets you know they're gonna they're gonna fight it the church aren't just gonna lay over and you know because obviously the catholic church is an extremely powerful organization so and i i kind of think this this is where like going back to that very first episode you know with the whole crocodile uh the alligator situation like that's kind of it plays well that it shadows over them this entire season it's kind of like we think they've gotten away with it but you know they're so close to always possibly being told on 
Um, and I mean that that kind of lives with them at least for four seasons, really. You know, it, it does get brought up every now and then. So I think that kind of does it. And I think the thing we, we with Kristen and Sean, it's kind of like. You know, as good as they are and all that sort of stuff, they're always kind of scared that they are on the edge of being, like, found out about certain things. You know, they kind of do sidestep their way around certain bits. Uh, the one thing I just want to point out with that, though, is, like, uh, Julian McMahon, you know, great acting episode for Julian McMahon. The way he just, you know, they're yelling and all of a sudden, this is the way he kind of delivers that line where he's like, he raped boys! Like, the way he just kind of does it so emotionally and just the way he does it, like... You really, yeah, at that point, just- you're sensing, aren't you? Like, there's something more here to, to Christian that he's getting so worked up over this. Yeah, it's kind of like a final nail in the coffin. That means that, you know, this goes from being a, a, a kind of functional argument to, you know, this is serious and, and we're not just going to sit back and let this happen. Yeah, and the, and the whole Matt Henry thing, like, the one thing I find interesting, because, you know, obviously Henry's kind of playing the religious card, like, you know, God will know, and, like, Matt's obviously like, hey, like, you know, whatever, we'll just get away with it. Um the one thing that's kind of interesting, and then look, you know, spoiler alert slash bookmark this, because it's kind of like we get all these Matt scenes in hospital caring for Kara. We get it in a bit in the next episode. We don't see Henry involved in this at all. Like, I guess it's kind of down to his guilt and all that sort of stuff. And obviously Henry comes back into it later when it comes to, to her. But um, it's kind of, yeah, I just, I just find that interesting. That where the fuck is Henry in the hospital? <laughs> like... You know, somebody who's yeah, feeling okay. as bad as he is, shouldn't he be the one in the hospital, like, going, oh, my God, what if she talks? Yeah, no, he's kind of, he's kind of just sitting back and letting that happen. Getting stoned. So, yeah, and so, I mean, we're, we're cutting back to the scene with, with Matt, and he's he's now brought Sean into the hospital to, to have a look at Kara, and um, obviously we're, we're getting more of this friction between not just Matt now, but also Sean around, you know, the mother and, and not wanting to perform surgery and, and all this kind of thing. And ultimately it leads to Sean, you know, removing the covers. And we see this this pretty horrifying vision, I guess, of, of Cara with all these staples in her face. And, you know, she's going to go blind because, you know, the, the broken bones are, are cutting through her optic nerves and, and all this kind of stuff. And ultimately the, the payoff at the end of the scene is that, you know, you get Sean saying, if you don't do something about this, I'm going to take medical custody of, of her. And, you know, no, I'm never going to do that, blah, blah, blah. You know, smash cut to Sean doing surgery on her because he's got medical custody of her. Yeah, and I do like the line, uh, what Christian says. It's like, what does he say? Like, oh, now that we've got medical custody of her, do we have to, like, take her to the prom or something like that? What does he say? Yeah, um, like, pay through college or something Oh, yeah, like the that. college. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, yeah, and it's, it's a really... It's kind of going back to what I was saying before about the whole counterbalancing the faith and the... the it's... It's a powerful scene. There's a lot of powerful scenes in this episode. And um, as, as much as I kind of rip shit into this poor woman's acting ability, like, she kind of does all right in this scene. Because it's, again, you're like, it's just such a difficult thing to fathom for this woman. It's, it's like, she's not, like, I don't want to say she's a horrible mother because, you know, she's so strongly in her beliefs. And, again, going back to what I said, I'm not a religious person. You know, I can easily stand on one side of this argument and say, dude, get the surgery. But at the same time, it's like, you know, we all believe in certain things. And if you're that passionate about something, you know, I mean, it's it's just you feel for this woman in a way because she's not wanting to yeah. be a horrible mother, but it's so against her beliefs to go against this. So, and it's kind of, that's it. We don't see anything more about this woman at all. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's kind of, it's that question, isn't it? It's kind of like, obviously, on the grounds of saving this girl's sight, saving this girl's life, you know, they're, they're handed their, the medical custody of it, and this is a thing, but it's kind of at the same time, it's like, well, how does that work in everyday life when you've got a person's beliefs that are able to be, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a tricky little slope of, um, you know, rights and wrongs there, but it's it's a it's a very strong scene. Um, you know, when he picks up the folder and he's like, you know, put that down and kind of, yeah, it's it's pretty full on. But uh, I guess if you're watching this episode of Nip Tuck, you got to deal with a lot of full on scenes. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the, the end of the scene where they're doing the surgery and, and Matt's watching on and you've got this whole thing about, you know, Sean's really proud of him, you know, for stepping in and helping her and, you know, she would have lost his sight and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, obviously he doesn't know the full story. So it's it's really interesting from that perspective that we we know why Matt's so concerned, but Sean doesn't. So, you know, that's quite a, a powerful part of it as well. One of the things I just want to get to really quickly is, you know, like when he just takes advantages of, you know, he, he takes literally 10 seconds by shining a torch in her face to decide that he's very concerned. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, good doctor, Sean. Yeah, and it's, it's it's also a case of, 
you know, the convenience of this hospital. Like, where are the other doctors? Do they just allow... Like, did he have to say to someone when he arrived at this hospital, Hi, I'm Dr. Sean McNamara. Here's my medical license. Otherwise, can I just go to a random hospital, remove somebody's bandages, and stare at them for 10 seconds? I'm very concerned. Um, you know, we've we've seen that already with Sean, like, taking over in the Sophia Lopez episode a few episodes back. So, you know, maybe it's just, again, this is something that I think we need to pick up on here, Nick. It's a case of we've got our hashtag poor Matt, our hashtag where's Annie, and our hashtag Miami things that clearly just happen in Miami. (laughs) Yeah, I I do like, it is a bit of a thing on Niptuck, but these people that always just seem to just, like, the doctors just come in and just take over the hospital, and you think, like, in the real world, this can't actually be how things happen, you know, like, you know, that a doctor can just, just because they're a doctor, can just can just wander in and do whatever they want. So I mean, I, I don't you know, know about you about these, bo- like, is New Zealand, is there a thing of just bored doctors on a Sunday aren't rostered on? Oh, well, I'm not on this hospital today. I might go down to the local one and see if they need any assistance. Like, I mean, I don't think yeah. it happens. <laughs> yeah, it's pre- pretty weird, really. Like, you just, I mean, I, I know why they do it. It just makes for easier storytelling. And, you know, like having to see a doctor sign in and, and get official, you know, certification to be able to do this and all this kind of thing, that's not exciting TV. You just want to see them kind of, you know, bustle in and kind of take over. But, um, <laughs> you know, that's obviously not something that makes for good TV. So, I mean, we move into this, this scene in the flower shop where obviously um, what, Miss Graco, her name just hasn't stuck with me for whatever just reason. Just call her Jodie Foster. She owned- yeah, yeah. So she owns she owns a, owns a uh, florist, and um, obviously Sean goes in and has this, you know, pretty pretty heavy scene here as well. We're you know, talking about her father and what she's what he's done to her and and all that kind of thing. And um, you know, you see the kind of sensitive side of Christian, you know, which which comes out quite often. And you know, you get the whole thing where he, you know, he kind of talks around this woman, and suddenly there's there's quite a lot of chemistry going on between them, which is you know. For Christian to be having a moment where he's having some good chemistry and it's not involving bondage or whatever, um, you know, that's same thing And, like, I don't know about you, but I always kind of watch this and I kind of assume, like, they're not going to make this, like, a thing about Christian hooking up with the poor victim of, like, sexual abuse. Like, it's kind of, you kind of think, like, the scene, like, it's sweet, like, when he gets the flowers, I kind of like that scene when he's just, like... You know, he buys him and he gives it straight to her. Like, it is a sweet scene. But I'm glad they didn't kind of take this and turn it in. Because, I mean, this... Just on a side note, is this the first episode that Christian doesn't have sex with anyone? <laughs> yeah, well, it is something to know. There's very little sex in this episode, which is unusual. But I never, ever got the impression that he was turning up to try and hook up. Okay. That never, ever what I got from it. Again, maybe I'm just warped by the first seven episodes of this. But, yeah, it's, I mean, again, confronting scene and, you know, the whole, like, I mean, this Jodie Foster is a great actress. She is a Jodie Foster. She's a brilliant actress. Uh, Hashtag Jodie Foster is a great actress. But it's, um, (laughs) we're using a lot of hashtags. I don't know. We're trying to be hip or cool here, Nick, or are we just being with what people do? But, um... It's, yeah, it's, again, confronting, you know, her whole storyline about how, you know, she obviously went and saw him and it didn't really change anything. And, again, we kind of get that little bit from Christian again, don't we? It's like, well, look, at least you got to see him before he died, you know, kind of, again, subtly hinting at what's to come. So, again, very well-acted scene. And um, our Jodie Foster friend, we, um, you know, just... Maybe she was just next door on a set with Jodie. She was like Jodie Foster's stunt double. And they're like, hey, you're a good actress. Come on board. <laughs> I don't know. We we should really find out. Look, you talk and I'll find actually her name out and then we'll, we'll go from there. <laughs> I have actually looked it up. So her name is, is Katie Silverstone. Sur- 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 right. Um, and um, there's, there's not a hell of a lot in the uh, filmography. Um, well, no, that's not true. There's lots of kind of bit parts, but um, I don't think she's ever kind of gone on to anything. Silver, so Silverstone, I'm looking here. So is that kind of like like Alicia Silverstone, but said in a New Zealand accent? Silverstone. Yeah, pretty, pretty <laughs> much. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an odd one to pronounce because you want to say Silverstone, but that's not actually it. So, yeah, I mean, she's... And I think that's what the show does really well is it brings in these people for one episode or two episodes and, and you know, they're really, really good actors and, you know, they deliver something pretty impressive and then they're gone again. And, you know, you can see from her... If you look at her kind of filmography, there's kind of lots of that kind the of Drew going Carey through. The show. Podcast. There's, yeah, there's one yeah, and there's blast from the past. Oh, the divine secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood. There's one that we've got to do on the Oz Network. <laughs> yeah, you can you can call Colin up for that one. That's definitely <laughs> not me. 
Oh, God, what a shit name for a movie. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we, we move on to, you know, like we see the, the aftermath of, of um, a couple of operations. Obviously, um, we see, you know, Megan and, and, you know, Sean says it's his best work, which, you know, you would expect, I guess. Um, and uh, then you also get uh, the Matt and Cara scene, which is, um, yeah, I mean, that's obviously quite a, quite a biggie. And, and, you know, he's talking about, you know, you don't always see the, um, you, you know, you, you don't see anything, but you can, you know, he's obviously telling her a little bit of, of what's happening and talking about how, you know, people in comas can hear these things. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's kind of, look, one thing that we never, I guess, get in in these episodes or do we maybe i'm i'm forward thinking and not remembering but um there's no investigation it seems into this hit and run of poor old cara getting smashed so like you know a ploy maybe for the police here would be to hide a microphone on her because you know isn't what they say about the 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 people who do these things feel guilty you know so like maybe they're gonna you know if this was a cop show they probably would do that but so you know matt's got to thank his lucky stars this isn't a cop show or again the ineptness of the miami police they're too busy trying to you know go out all those nasty crimes about gerbil flushing you know it's i mean that's what the detectives are doing out there in miami county but um yeah i mean it's kind of it's an interesting sort of thing that obviously he's feel guilty and he's admitting to it and again he's putting his, his eggs in one basket there like oh, you know, I've heard that they can hear everything you say, but they don't remember anything. Well, what if it was the other way around? They remember everything and she's going to wake up. It was Matt. It was Matt. Matt did it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, considering he's like, I've heard, you know, he obviously hasn't done a lot of research to kind of figure that out. So, yeah. And I mean, this is obviously a bit of a to be continued story. It's not one that's, that's closing up, you know, one episode and, and we're done. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's more to tell here. And so we're, we're going to get into this a little bit more. But um, I guess we're now on to the centerpiece of this whole thing. And, um you know, it's quite interesting because it's a really long scene where Christian goes to the church and, and he does his confession. And you know, the whole thing is just, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. It's just it's so impressive. Yeah, you're, you're right. And it's kind of, you know, starting off and, um, I mean, we kind of get the whole bit where Christian's outside the church, isn't he? And he says to Sean, like, I'll take care of it. Um, and we get the creepy scene of the... the um, the guy rubbing that little boy's head outside the church. And I don't know if you notice, he, as the boy walks off, he kind of like looks at him. Like it's almost like he's checking the boy out. Then he quickly looks up mm. at the sky as if to say like, forgive me. And then he walks back into the church. Like I, I'm sure that's probably part of it. But um, yeah, this whole scene, like, you know, I like how it starts off with Christian and how he's kind of like, you know, it's been 22 years since my last confession. I've drank, I've done drugs. Uh, what does he say? Like, I've fornicated with women and discarded them like trash or whatever it is. And it's kind of like, okay, well, here we go. Christian's got a lot to get off his chest. And then it's what, like, the boys you raped may well say that in 20 years. And it's just, it's it's powerful the way it's done, kind of like the zoom up, the closeness of the of the face of, like, the, of the priest and the way it sort of cuts the Christian, the way he turns and, you know, like, I'm your plastic surgeon and... Yeah, it's it's confronting, it's full on. He pulls out a scalpel when he's basically he loves his line of like I know exactly just where to cut. He and he does stab him, doesn't he? Like I guess that's implied. Um Yeah, oh no. I stab him like it. They don't do a big close up of it because that's not really what the what the scene's all about. But you definitely see him as he's as he's limping away with the police at the end of the episode, you kinda of see the scalpel, you know, in a in a kind of background shot, you definitely do see the scalpel. But um yeah, I think the bit I really love about this is when Christian actually, you know, like the guy makes a run for it, and you know, as he's opening the confessional door, you know, Christian just there and just like pushes him back down and you know, throws out the the tape, the tape recorder and the scalpel, and you know, just the intensity, the whole thing is just so brilliantly played, and um, you know, just the the, the fear in the priest's eyes is, is really, really, you know, like you feel it, you definitely feel it, and you know, you feel everything that Christian's doing as well. It just everything just clicks in this whole scene. And again, it's just they don't. It's not exactly like they shy away from the subject matter like you know the line there when the priest is like when i see the boys i feel things it's kind of like oh okay like this is you know it's, it's graphic and it's it's just done well and like the whole bit when what christian's basically you know like um are you am i are you ready for your confession father and he just keeps repeating it over and over again and then kind of like again sorry to jump ahead on you here but like just the bit where obviously we get christian confessing what's happened to him you know and just the bit where he's like, I let him touch me and just, oh, it's just, 
it's graphic, it's confronting, it's it's uncomforting, but it's it's so well acted. And I mean, there's there's no other way really that you can deliver this subject matter. I mean, you know, this isn't an episode of you know how I met your mother, and this is going to be laughed about five seconds later. Like, I mean, there's, there's no there's no laughing about what's happening right now. Um, it's just it's it's very in your face, and it's just it's it's acted so well by everybody involved in these scenes. Yeah, and I think probably the last bit, you know, it says, well, you're going, you're going to jail either way, and whether you go to hell is up to you, you know, like that kind of, it's just a brilliant kind of closer to that whole confrontation, and, you know, then you see him kind of being led away by the cops, and yeah, then you get into this the secondary scene, which is, you know, just as impressive in a lot of ways, where it's between, you know, Christian really showing that kind of emotional side of it, and you know, with Sean, and it kind of goes back to my whole thing, that, the, you know, this whole thing is about the two of them, and just the connection between them and this scene is, is you know, uh, yeah, it's a, it's really powerful as well because it's kind of it's not something that really is visited again, I guess, until the whole Carver storyline. And I don't want to say how that gets brought up again because it would be spoilerific. But um, mm. it's I mean, again, it's not something that I guess every week it's like, hey, guess what? Christian got touched as a child. Like, I mean, it's not something you want to bring up every week. Um, but I, one thing I will say is like. You have that. You run that risk of overdoing it, and kind of always having that there. And I think they do it well enough that it's not something that is constantly in your. And I'm not trying to take that away from shows that maybe do that and run that, because you know, obviously, this is such a, a terrible thing that's happened to Christian, and you know. But it, it, I, I find that they do it the right amount. I guess what I'm trying to say. It's not too little. It's not too much. And it's kind of, it's there in the background enough that it can play into storylines when it needs to. But it's not a case of it's always there, if you know what I mean. And it's not like it's completely forgotten about from this point on, you know, just for a shock value one episode thing. So, um, it's it's done to the extent, I think it's it's done right. And it's, it's, a, it's a good background, I think, to Christian's um, character. And again, kind of going back to what we keep saying about how, you know, he's one of the most complex characters in the history of TV. You know, I mean, he's a guy who's just, as we, as he said, you know, he's fornicated with women and discarded them. And that's what he does. And this is literally, as we said, probably the first episode he hasn't had sex with somebody. And, you know, this is kind of an interesting thing to think that this oversexed womanizer has had this horrific thing happen to him as, as a, as a younger child. You know, it's kind of, just the complexities of the character, which I think it just works so well in his favour. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I think probably what, we, you know, we've kind of talked a lot about, um, especially this episode, but going back a little bit too, is the whole, there's been a lot of a lot of setup, a lot of setup. And I think that this just, the payoff is brilliant. And, you know, when you have lots of setup, you want the payoff to be great. And, you know, this show doesn't always do that particularly well. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I think it does it really well. You know, it couldn't have done it better, really. Completely agree. Completely, Completely agree. agree. Completely agree. So I think that probably we could probably talk about this all night, but we we probably do need to draw a line under it at some point. I think that's probably we've probably talked it that we can leave that now, and it, you know it's definitely not going to be the end of this as, as a major story. But I do love that last kind of shot of the, of these two guys kind of embracing um, in the church pew, and you know that kind of fade to black. I think is it's just really well done towards the end. So yeah, I mean unless you've got anything to add, I think we can kind of wrap that one up. Uh, look, I think I'm done too. I mean, really, again, we kind of had another case of an episode not exactly ending on the most positive of notes, but uh, I guess kind <laughs> of, you know, eight episodes in, we're kind of de- developing a bit of a pattern here, I feel. But I think it's quite, I think this is, it's not upbeat, but I think it's it's quite satisfying as yeah. well. Like, it doesn't feel, yeah, it doesn't feel awful. It feels like it's, you know, it's being well earned like the, the the bad ending is well earned which is a weird thing to say but i think you can't understand what i'm saying yeah um so i guess we'll go into you know the our buy it rented or bin it i mean what's your call on this one? Oh, i think you gotta buy this one i think it's it's too much of a powerful episode to kind of not have there i mean if you if you want an episode that's kind of you know a non-upbeat episode but it's still confronting and just how it is i mean it's it's just done so well i mean look again you wouldn't necessarily put this on for a laugh a minute because you know there's really not a whole i mean there are some bits but it's it's really a dark episode i guess you would say but just for the acting alone you know julian maman is a star of this episode just in terms of how he handles this and i just feel it's it's such a it's an important episode i guess in the in the overall arc of christian troy that we discover this side of him 
and I just think it's handled very, very well. So I, I, I think by far this is a buy it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me coming into this, I was going to, you know, make some pretty bold claims that this is maybe like a top five um, for the whole season. And I think, you know, when we've talked through some of the some of the stuff at the at the top of the episode, you know, like the some pretty bad scenes and, and not particularly well acted, I think I might have to take it off that shelf. But I still think it's a definite buy. Like, it's a really, really strong episode and it finishes really strong. And it's so foundational to the show like you you really need to see this episode if you want to really get a feel for what the show's about so you know apart from delivering on you know all the, the kind of you know, the, the sex and all that kind of stuff that the show's kind of famous for i think it hits everything else that the show's really good at plus it's just so important to see what's in this one so yeah it's a definite buy for me as well and the positive of course is that annie was in this episode and that's always buy worthy Exactly. No, I couldn't have said it better myself. So I think we'll we'll, we'll leave it that way um, and um, look forward to seeing you for a, a pretty different episode coming up next. <laughs> um, some some pretty frivolous stuff coming up in the next one, but uh, you know certainly uh, a little bit lighter than this. Well, in some ways, anyway. Um, so from me, I'm Nick, and uh, the cream will make it go away in two weeks. <laughs> and my name is Ben. And just because I'm smoking your shit doesn't make me your bitch. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.